to me. I'm going to have them guess in the first couple. Uh, of pretty easy. Okay. Once they say who they are, we can move to the next one. Okay. And uh, what we're doing this morning, we work better with uh, more than less. And we don't have any choices more. So if anyone's feeling young at heart, and would like to come and join in, there will be some things you get to take with you um, if you choose to do that. So if anyone wants to come and join in, and before we get started, I also want to say um, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, when we have our prayer time in a little bit and our, our praise time, um, rather than me trying to repeat what everybody shares, David has volunteered to bring a mic around. So you can be thinking now about what your phrases are for the week and what maybe your requests are, and then uh, throw a hand up or something, and David brings a mic around. So, with that being said, we'll get started with our kids' moment. And uh, we're going to do something um, different than we've done before today. We're going to have an auction. Um, I have some things here in my bag that we're going to auction off. And of course, you have an auction, you need money. So I have some special children's moment money here. Each pack is $10. So you have $10 to spend at this auction. All right. And I will hold the items up and ask what you're willing to pay for. I am not an auctioneer. Anyone here an auctioneer? No? Okay, then you won't get the, the auctioneer voice. But we're just going to hold some items up and let you bid on them. And uh, if you get the highest bid, you can trade your, your money for the item, and it's yours to, to keep. Any questions? Did I figure it out? All right. Let's see. What should we start with here? Um, well, let's start with these. I have here a pack of 20 colored markers. What would you be willing to give? Anybody <laughs> want those? How much would you be willing to give? One dollar. Anybody willing to give more than one dollar for the markers? Two dollars I have. Two dollars. Anybody higher than that? You give five. All right, I have a bit of $5. Anybody want to get more than $5 for the markers? Okay, sold the set for $5. All right, there you go. Those are yours to keep. Okay, so next, I have a bag of cheese puppies. Everybody likes cheese puppies, right? What would you be willing to give for cheese puppies? <laughs> I have a bit of five bucks in the back there. Real money. <laughs> Two, I have a bit of Two dollars. Anybody want more? Three dollars. Four dollars. Five. How many? Nine dollars. <laughs> Anybody want to get more than nine dollars? All right, Bethany gets the cheese puppies. So you still have one dollar left. All right. So next, I have this little football. Fun to play with, throw around, not going church feet. What would you get? Anybody? $2 here. Does it make noise when you throw it? I do not think it does, no. 
Three dollars. Four dollars. Five dollars. Anyone else? Five dollars. David has a football to take home. All right, so I got a few more items in here. I have, I know the Inspire Graph. It's a little travel Inspire Graph kit to take with you for all things. Anybody crafty? One dollar. Anyone did more than one dollar? No? Okay, that's likes per dollar. All right, I got two things left here. Pepsi. Anybody thirsty this morning? What would you give for Pepsi? One dollar says Mike. The brothers are conspiring. They might want to buy it together. <laughs> Anybody want to bid more than a dollar? No, there's only one more item. All right, Mike gets the soda for a dollar. Okay. If it was root beer, they would have bought it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have root beer when I was looking, but this is the last item I got. I have here Reese Cups. Everybody likes it. <laughs> I hear six dollars. I hear ten dollars. <laughs> Seth says five. That's the rest of his money. Oh, Mike says six. Am I doing together? Ten dollars. Well, I know Mike doesn't have ten dollars anymore, so you guys win. <laughs> All right. So, why did some things sell for more than others? What do you think? Why are you willing to give more for some things than you were for other things? Yeah. Because they're bigger? Okay. Any other ideas? Yeah. Yeah, you probably like some things better than others. Your dad, your dad said you might have bought the soda if it was root beer instead of Pepsi. So we, huh? He would have bought that. Yeah. <laughs> the well, you tell him you guys bought it, so if he wants it, he has to pay for it. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, like you said, what something is worth to you, it means what you're willing to get for it. We're going to come back to that idea in a minute. What have we been talking about the last few weeks? Anybody remember? What's, what's our topic we've been discussing for the last three weeks? What about you, young man? Do you know? Starts with a D. God's glory. Yeah. We've been talking about God's glory. And so, just a quick reminder the first week we had an illustration with baking soda and lemon juice. Remember what happened? Kind of bubbled up and filled the cup. We talked about when God comes into our lives, He changes us and we're supposed to make a display of His glory. And the next week I had a train set up up here. And we talked about how 
the cars are supposed to follow him and go where he goes, and they have a job to do, and that is to carry his glory. And then last week, what did we do? Remember? Jordan helped me out. She went all the way to the back there. With some strength. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about eternity. And we're going to spend all of eternity worshiping God. And we need to be focused on eternity now because that's what's going to last. We, we put a knot in the string, and we said that knot represents our life here. But eternity just goes on and on. And so we need to focus on that. Today we're going to talk about something related to that, and it's called the worship. You know what worship is? How would you describe worship? Mike just kind of gave us a lesson this morning on something. Praising. Yeah. Worship, one way to describe it is praising God. Last week you gave me a word glorify. And if you remember that, it's kind of the same thing. We talked about glorifying God. Part of that is worshiping. Um, it's showing the definition in the dictionary is to show reverence or adoration. What does worship look like? What kind of things do you do when you worship? What do you do this morning? So far. <clears throat> Should I have Mike repeat it? We sang. Yeah, that's part of our worship. Often when you say the word worship, that's the first thing people think about. Well, we go to church to worship when we sing songs. But there's more to it than that. What else, what else is part of worship? What kind of thing do we do as a Christian to worship God? What are we going to do next? That's the kids' name. Prayer time. Yeah, that's part of our worship, is talking to God. What else? What are we going to do when we have the message? We're going to listen to his word, read, read the Bible, um, get into his word. Um, is that all worship is? Is it just Sunday morning and those things? No, it's not. You're right. So, what else do you think is part of it? You know the answer to this little bash of the chair. Yeah. Helping people come to Christ. Absolutely. That's part of our worship, is showing others who God is. And that brings Him more worship. Um, obeying what He tells us. Is part of worshiping God. And so, really, it comes, what it comes down to is our whole life is about worship. A minute ago, we had that option. And I don't know if you know it or not, but I got all the plugins at the dollar store, and they all cost a dollar. So, you pay what they were worth to you. Some things you like better than others, and that's how much you pay for it. Worship is the same way, it's a sign of how much God is worth. And what we're willing to do for him is how much we're really worshiping him. And we're going to look at a verse here to close things up at Romans 12, 1. And it says, So brothers, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. This is the spiritual way for you to worship. And what that verse is saying is, what we just talked about a moment ago, it's more than praying or singing. Or reading the Bible, 
is what we do in our daily life to tell others about Jesus that is our true act of worship. Giving our life to do exactly what he wants us to do is how we really worship God. So next time you go to an auction, you can think about that. You can think about what things have worked for you in the physical world, but think about how much God has worked for you and what he wants to do for you. Okay? Thanks for helping out, all of you. Appreciate that. You can go on back to your seats. And uh, David has the mic, so if you're, if you're thinking of sharing something, um, let him know. Oh, she could have kept that, but that's fine. Now I have all my money back. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we just shared with the young people here in just a minute, but we're going to have our prayer and praise time. I just wanted to comment. Um, I asked Kay as we started, or as we were having warm ups, if she was going to do a happy dance this morning because of the snow. She's pretty excited about the snow, and um, we're talking to Yvonne, and she is as well. And I do like snow. There's something special about snow. I think whether you like it or not, it's a beautiful thing when it first comes down, is it not? Mm-hmm. And scripture tells us that our sins can be washed as white as snow. And that's, that's such a beautiful picture about that first snow before anyone drives in and walks in it. Um, and it becomes knowledge here. And when it first comes down, there's a beauty to it. And it's a great picture. So. So I enjoy it at that point, and don't enjoy it so much after. Um, but anyways, what do you have this morning that you would like to praise God for? Do you have something? Ways you saw God work this week, or the last year.
over here there were some struggles with the zoom. I don't know if that's already been corrected or not, whether we just uh, whatever we might be able to point to do to try to hinder your message going out that you would to be correct and allow our technology to work the way it's supposed to and communicate your message now. We thank you for being with us over the past week and thank you for the healing you brought Warren and I know just a week ago the process was going much slower than he had been told and what he was expecting. So we just thank you that this morning you gave us the easier than faith to testify to what you're going to Lord, if we really thought about it, we need many more things that we could testify to what you wanted to this past week. So thank you for being a God. of a world that has so much uncertainty from this virus and from the political change and the other things in our nation, Lord, that we have a confidence in you. We have comfort in you. We have strength in you as we sang about. Our hope and our strength, everything that we have is in you. Thank you for providing us in this issue. Lord, we lift up to you, Joyce, this week as she surgery and we thank you for the skill that you're giving doctors to treat such things. And we just ask that this shoulder surgery would indeed correct whatever issue there is and that it would go smoothly that you would guide her healing process and it would go quickly and you would make the meals and things that we've taken be more than just food. They would be encouragement Say God, Lord, help us to know what that really means. Give us the strength, the courage to share it with others, Lord. We desire to be about your work. We want to hear the words that we believe Jake shared recently that well done, good and faithful servant. Part of that is. So, um, if you haven't noticed, I did wear my snowman tie this morning in honor of the snow outside. I thought this would be the appropriate occasion to bring that out. And uh, last week, in 
in honor of some friends I have here, I, I shared some uh, dad jokes. And uh, I don't have a dad joke today, but I did find one related to cats. But since we're talking about dogs and cats, I thought it might be appropriate to share. And it seems a neighbor looked over his fence and saw a young boy uh, had dug a fairly large hole and was filling it back in. And so he was kind of curious, and he went over and he said, so Jimmy, what, what are you doing here? He said, well, my goldfish died, and so I'm, I'm burying my goldfish. And he said, Jimmy, goldfish is kind of small, and that's a pretty big hole. Um, why did you need such a big hole to bury your goldfish? And the guy that was getting to me said, because it's inside your hat. <laughs> Cat loves that way, not be too humorous, but I found humor in that. So, cat dog theology is where, where we have been and where we'll be for the next few weeks. And uh, as we said, it's a way of, of understanding how we look at things, how we look at God, how we look at the Bible. And there's two ways we can do that. We can be like a dog and say, You pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. Obviously, that is what God is asking from us, that we recognize who he is and what he does, and that we are and worship him for that. But we said that there's an awful lot of us who get sidetracked, and we think all those things that God does for us means we're really special. And a cat says, I must be God. Not really, I must be God, but I deserve all this. God exists for my benefit. And we get a little bit off the track. We've been looking at that the last few weeks. And last week we looked at uh, eternity and how cats develop cracks on that white foundation and how they look at look at the world and things. And uh, in light of looking at eternity last week and how quickly our lives pass, I asked some of the people from our congregation to share uh, graduation pictures. With us. And so I'm going to share some pictures and I'm going to ask you to identify them. So if you recognize them, call them out. And I'm going to start with the easier ones. So anyone recognize this person? Chelsea, yes. Chelsea, um, I was going to say book, it's not book anymore. Yes, brilliant. Um, next we have anybody know? James. James Todd. Very young woman, James Todd. Next, Jess Tompkins, Laura Pop, Mike Book. Yes, I wouldn't have recognized him, but uh, you folks that grew up with him do. That's Kay. Yes, Phyllis. Yes. Galen, yep. Ben Holderman. No, it's not Lee. Yes, I heard it two about the same time. Don Pryor. Couple more. Nelson Hyde. Nelson, Nelson Hyde, yes. Did the wrestling give it away? <laughs> Nancy? Anybody know this one? 
Brian Hope, yes. I wasn't sure if anyone would get, get that one since he's not part of the congregation, but I asked the bishop to send us a picture. So that that's not graduation, that's early in his marriage, but a little different look, isn't it? So so why share all these pictures? More than just the idea that time is passing quickly. Um, there's another illustration I wanted to use. And you know, those pictures, most of them showed up in yearbooks. What do we do when we get a yearbook? What's the first thing you do when you Look for your picture. Yeah. Everybody flips the page. Okay, did I get in there? Do I look like a goof? Is the information they listed about me correct? Did they get anything wrong? Are there any extra pictures? You know, yearbooks tend to have additional pictures of life, sometimes basketball school or sometimes sports and things. Did I make any extra? How much am I recognized in that yearbook? And we've already said we can kind of do the that with the Bible. But if we can get off track a little bit, we can begin to look at the Bible as, what's it have to say for me? What's, what's, where am I in the Bible? And that's our focus, rather than where is God in the Bible? And the Bible itself is divided into uh, verses and chapters and books, the New and Old Testament. And we can begin to think that it's all different parts of a, of a different story, that it's not all part of the same thing. But they are. There's one story that goes throughout the whole Bible that God is communicating to our world. And so I want to real quickly take, take a, a run through through the Bible and show that as an illustration. And a few months ago, we actually looked at these verses on the screen. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is when God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to make you a blessing so that you can be blessed, a blessing to others. And he says that in verse 3, he says, the whole world will be blessed through you. So even at the beginning, we saw that when God was calling Abraham to create a special people for just him, their purpose was for the whole world to know what? About God. And we see it again in Exodus 19. We looked at these verses previously as well. But this is... Um, God saying that you as a nation of Israel are going to be a nation of priests. Your job as a whole people is to represent me and tell about me. And it says, for all the world. Nation of priests for all the world. Again, Israel's purpose wasn't just to be a special people that God treated differently. It wasn't because he loved them more. Was because they had a part of his purpose to make him known to the rest of the world. Is that really true? Is that carrying on throughout the rest of the Bible? Because we don't really hear that. Often we look at stories in the Bible and they, we pick out a particular message, a particular thought that that story communicates. So as I said, we're going to take this real quick look. And again in Exodus chapter 12, Verse 37 to 38, we read about the Exodus, and they had ten plagues. You all remember that, right? And God kind of judged Egypt, and finally, after the firstborn son of everyone that wasn't in a house that was covered was um, struck down and killed, finally Pharaoh said, Okay, you can leave. 
And we read about this in verses 37 to 38, and it says the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. So when you add in the women and children, there was over a million Israelites that left. But so often we don't think about verse 38. It says many other people went up with them. So when Israel was really getting started, they were becoming the nation God had called them to be. It wasn't just the Israelites. It doesn't tell us how many, but it says many other were with them. All of those plagues, all those examples that Moses had given, it's spoken to who? The Egyptians. And it says many of those people went up with them and became a part of their nation. And that was God's purpose. God did not bring those plagues and his um, Passover and release just for the Israelites. He was demonstrating who he was to the whole world and to the nation of Egypt. And many of them believed and went along. And then next we see in Deuteronomy, they're just about to enter the promised land. Moses is giving his final message to the people. And we looked at these verses uh, earlier as well, but verses six, chapter four, verses six to eight. Moses is saying, "Obey these commandments carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations." Moses didn't say, "Obey these commands so that you can be God's special people." He said, "Obey these commands so they show your wisdom and understanding." And this is what they will say in response. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws on the study to bring the dead? In other words, the whole world is going to understand there's something special here. There's something special about this God. And they will be wrong. First Chronicles tells us of David bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but verse after verse in First Chronicles talks about being known in the world. Verse 8 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Verse 23, Make known among the nations what he has done. I don't have the verse numbers here, but these are other things. Sing to the Lord of all the earth. Declare his glory among the nations. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Throughout that song that David sang, when the ark came, well, when the ark gets there for the good of the Israelite people so they could win in battle and for God to be present, no. The ark was there so that the nations would see who God was. The story continues. Solomon, 1 Kings 4.34 Remember the story? God said, what do you want? What do you need? And they said, I want wisdom. And God said, I'll give you that plus. And as a result, 434, 1 Kings, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of this wisdom. God didn't just give Solomon wisdom so that he could rule the nation of Israel well and so he could become a wealthy man and gave him wisdom so that the nation would come and hear about who he was. 
First Kings 8, we have the temple being built. And Solomon is offering a prayer. In verses 41 and 43, he says, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray for this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Solomon understood that the temple wasn't just for the Israelite people. It was so the whole world would know who God was. And they would come and pray to this God as well. And it goes on into the Daniel. And I'm sure we can find things in every book, but I just picked some out. But in Daniel we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most of you knew that story since you were kids. What's the, what's the message from that story? What do we often take with us from that story? God shows up in the fire with them. God will do what? Will save us, will protect us. And he will. But there's more to it. In Daniel 3, verses 28 to 29, it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the peoples of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. God didn't just save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when he showed up in the fire furnace. He witnessed to a whole land when Nebuchadnezzar made the decree don't do anything against this God. He is the God. And finally, again in Daniel, we see chapter 6, verses 26 and 27. It's at the end of the story of the lion's den. And again, what we often take out of this, what we often teach to our children is God will be with you, God will protect you, the lion did not destroy Daniel. And that is true. But this time it's King Darius, Nebuchadnezzar is gone, and there's another king who wasn't following God. And he wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of God didn't just save Daniel from the lions. He told the whole nation who he was. And pretty much all of them. That's the story of the Bible. And finally, we see it in um, Matthew chapter 2. We just recently read this in the Christmas season. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all of us. The story through the Bible is the same. It doesn't matter if it's divided into chapters, verses, books, testaments. It's all communicating that God wants the world to see Him. And He wants it to do it through us. He wants to draw the nations to His glory. And He wants to use us to do it. He wants us to live our lives in such a way as we share with the young people, worship is more than just praying or singing or reading our Bibles. It's 
living in a way that draws attention to who our God is and encouraging others to want to know him. And Jesus himself told us that this is what we should do. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And others know your verse, but that's what God is communicating. I want people to know who I am, and your lives should shine in such a way that they do. I believe it was last week we looked at Romans 12.1, and as our theme verse for today, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your and proper worship. God is asking for so much more than Sunday morning. So much more than a few songs. Although songs are appropriate. Throughout the Bible, God uses songs. We see people using songs to give our praise. But that's not all that it is. We just saw that as we read through all these things. That God is using our daily lives and how He's working in our daily lives to draw others. We are to submit everything in our life to him as a sacrifice, as our true worship. There's lots of things in the Bible we just read where we see illustration of how God used lives. But there's one I think stands out. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, we talked about it briefly a couple weeks ago. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about an unnamed girl. You know her as the story of Naaman. But I don't think he's the central character. We're going to read a few verses from this if you want to turn to 2 Kings. Chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. If we read on, we find that the king gave Naaman letters and encouraged him to go seek out this prophet she was talking about and seek healing. Because this story is so familiar, we don't give it another thought. But do you realize how unusual this is in so many ways. We have a slave girl. She's not considered worth much. She's a slave. She took her from her family and brought her to do their work, clean up after them. And she said she'd go to the prophet and would listen. Told Bible, a message from the Lord. 
You just don't listen to young girls. You don't put a lot of stock in what they say. You especially don't do it if they're slaves. And that guy is considered to be insignificant. And not only did he listen to it, he had enough courage to go to the king and say, hey, this servant girl said I should do this. What do you think? Oh, by all means, go. The king didn't say, are you kidding me? You're going to take the word of a girl? No, he listened and he said, do you see that there's something special going on here? Because there is. And what was special was this young girl. She's barely mentioned. We're not given a name. How do I know she's special? Because we listened. There was something in her life that was different than they saw in anyone else. And so when she spoke and gave a recommendation, they paid attention. And I believe this girl lived a life of worship to God. It's demonstrated in her daily, daily life and how she cared for others. And so when a crisis came and she spoke, they listened. If we jump down to verse 9, we read that Naaman got to Elisha. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent Naaman this message, approaching the king. I'm starting in the wrong place. Verse 9. Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on my name, or in the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over this water and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, the prophet had told you to do some great thing, but you not have done it. How much more than they tell you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself in his Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young man, young boy. Again, there it is. You see how remarkable this young girl is because he listened to her. He gets to the prophet Elisha, who she sent him to, and Elisha says, go wash in this river and you'll be clean. And he doesn't want to do it. Why should I listen to you? Those rivers are dirty. I can go back home and wash. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing that. Listen to his brother what he said when he wouldn't listen to his father. And convinced him because of her life and the example that she gave. He didn't have that this prophet yet, other than what she told him. That's the kind of life we're to live. And verse 15 says, Then Naaman and all his descendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except the Israel. Ultimately, Naaman found God through the testimony of his young girl. That's the point of the story. This is the example we have to look up to. And last week we were discussing facts in our foundation, and we 
didn't get through all of them. Originally, the next part I'm about to share was going to be part of last week, and I really just felt like it fit better here. We talked about those cracks, and this, this story, I think, highlights one of the cracks that, like I said, that we didn't share. And it's our priorities in life. What's important to us? What, what's important to us guides what we do. So for a cat, the very first priority in life is to have a long and healthy life. Not only for themselves, but for their loved ones and their family. Let me ask you about the young girl we just read about. Where was her family? Did they have a long life? Were they healthy? Most likely the whole family was killed by the raiders. She was only taken because they saw some value in her as a slave. What would our normal response be to that? If our whole family was killed by someone who was saved, would we show appreciation? Would we care if they were sick? Or do we rejoice that they were saved? She understood a long life to her and her family wasn't the most important thing. She understood that God was the most important thing. We're not going to take a whole lot of time here for it, but Jesus spoke about this too in um, John chapter 9. In their travels, they came across a blind man, and the disciples asked, or the Pharisees asked, I'm not really sure, the disciples asked, Why was he born blind? Who sinned? Him or his parents? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God doesn't look at our life as the most important. He doesn't look at long life and great health to be the first priority. He puts us in the life and the length that he, want, he wants in order for people to see God in us. And this young girl understood that. that in spite of her condition, in spite of what happened to her family, I believe she lived out her faith in God and so when she spoke, people listened. Second priority of a cat is that they be safe, secure, popular, maybe even famed. They want to be cool and well-liked. And if sharing God means that they may not be liked, or they may not be thought well of, or it may influence their personal financial status or social status, then that's their problem. What do you think the other Jews thought of this girl? That she would give Naaman, the one who destroyed their land, the answer to be healed. Would they have said, way to go? Or would they have said, we should have let him die? She didn't care. She wasn't motivated by that. She had not lived a comfortable life. She was not cool. She was a slave. She definitely wasn't famous. The Bible doesn't even give us her first name. But it doesn't matter. That wasn't the priority. She told us about 
God's third priority is to be blessed. Cats want God to pour out his riches on them to increase their comfort and their popularity and their enjoyment. Dogs and this girl understand they are actually blessed when they're persecuted. Again, familiar verses. Matthew 5, 10, 11. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Cats don't like that verse because they don't want to cause the persecution of things being uncomfortable and pleasant. But do you remember last week's message and what we focused on and ended? Do you see it in this verse? God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Eternity. Focus on eternity instead of what's here. It keeps us pointed in the right direction and allows us to see what's happening as a blessing when others would see it as clearly a curse. Verse 11 goes on to say, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. They say, how can this be? If we're serving you, isn't everything supposed to be rosy? Aren't you supposed to support me? Aren't you supposed to rescue me like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the Israelites? And God didn't do that for some in order that his name as we already learned, there were 400 years between Joseph and Moses. And what had happened to those people? They looked a like the Savior, and they died on their own. Also, said God to them. If we understand that blessing follows faithfulness, even if there's persecution, that our reward isn't here in heaven, in eternity, then we can do it. We can look at these negative things as a blessing. To kind of wrap up what we've just said, look back at last week, this fact that comes from our understanding of humanism and putting man first. Cats worship if they have safety, security, popularity, comfort, blessings. Praise God, I've got all those things. I'm good. To praise God no matter what. And if our praise, our worship is contingent on God answering our request, then we're on track. We're on balance. The final verse I'm going to show, share this morning is one of my favorites, the whole chapter, really, but we're going to read from Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. It's condensed on the screen. But it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that too well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. 
before one of them came to you. God knows who you are intimately. As a matter of fact, he planned for you to be just who you are. And we spend an awful lot of time comparing ourselves to others, whether it's our looks, whether it's our talents, whether it's what someone else has and don't, what somebody else can do and I can't. We need to stop looking for what God has given others, how he made others, and start thanking God for who we are and how he can use us for his glory. Focusing on what we don't have is really quick God's scripture says God's glory is in each one of us. That He formed us with intent, with purpose. And our purpose is to make Him known with whatever we have. I don't know why, but this jumped into my mind this morning. Most of you know the name Jimmy Erickson. He was a young, healthy teenager, liked sports, dove into the water, broke a neck, been a quadriplegic ever since. She has a worldwide ministry and praises God today. That can only happen if our focus isn't on ourselves and it's on God and we live our life in worship to Him so that others can see Him. This quote sums up what we've been talking about. It's from someone named Stephen Charnoff. He was a Puritan uh, back in England. This is what he wrote hundreds of years ago. When we believe we ought to be satisfied rather than God glorified, we say God below ourselves. Imagine that we should submit his own honor to our advantage. We make ourselves more glorious than God. We make ourselves more glorious than God, as though we were not made for him, but he made for us. This is to have our very low esteem, the majesty of God. As we've been saying for a number of weeks now, life is about God. He is the central character. Our purpose needs to be about making him known, not what he can do for us. And our application from this week is What's in my priorities? What am I spending too much focus or attention or effort on that isn't bringing glory to God? And I need to let go. Where in my life am I not worshiping God? Am I putting myself first? I need to let go of that too. Those are questions we should all be asking ourselves. I hope. Father, we thank you for your word. It tells a complete story of 
who you are, and how you want to use us to make you to others. Let's do this together. Work through your spirit such a way that you point out where we're all from, where we us to adjust our lives so that we are constantly worshiping Christ. Our closing song this morning is the heart of worship.